0: Sage is fighting the fight He has fought cities He has fought counties
1: Politicians Naysayers Hell, he's even fought mayors Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement A weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide And all other things considered homeless? Yes Broadcasting live from your Alexa device the Radio Free Network app, IOF, WMW.org, Men's Voices United, and the theradiofreenetwork.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage of the Rage Lewis.
0: I decided I'm going to start recording this thing with video. Believe it or not, it's easier. I, you don't want it. You don't want... I'm going to tell, tell you. i got nothing but time anyways. been using Adobe Audition. It's a great audio recording thing. For the last forever, I have been trying to figure out how to um, record my microphone and audio on my computer. And it is possible. If anybody's listening to this and uses it, you'll be like, you can do it. You just got to get the virtual line in and you just got to get a brand new uh, mixing board. And Meanwhile, I have been recording my voice and my computer for years on Open Broadcaster, which is a free tool. And so, like, as I was researching this, every once in a while, people would be like, just use OBS. Just use Open Broadcaster. It's easier. Why is that? How, why is it a free tool, Open Broadcaster, can record audio? Here, I mean, like, why can I record my voice and my computer on Open Broadcaster with no problem whatsoever, but with Adobe Audition, which I pay, I don't know, $30, $50 a month to get the whole suite. It's like moving mountains. It's ridiculous. So I've become very mystical in my old age. Everything to me is a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign, Sage. It's a sign. It's a sign. Everything's a sign. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is a sign. Could be a sign. Could be just life is bullshit and a pain in the fucking ass. I don't know. So for some reason, it makes my. It makes me happier to be like, it's a sign, Sage. You should just do it on Open Broadcaster. And then, and so then I made that really amazing intro. Did you love that? If you were watching the video, it's the same audio. It's not that great, trust me. It's a collage of some pictures. And then I added a picture on the outro. You'll get to see that in approximately 58 minutes or something. But yeah, I'm just gonna do that. I'm just gonna start recording this in video, and I think I can do. I could. I might try uploading this. I'm gonna upload it on YouTube, but I'm gonna also. I could. I think I can upload it as a podcast, a video podcast. Um, I'm gonna strip out the the audio, the MP3, and do the still. So you're still gonna get the the audio podcast. But then why not just record the video? As it is, just just do it, it's easier. So there it is. If you've never seen my face, this is it. It's a face made for radio. Trust me, now you know. And then I was gonna wear a baseball hat. My wife is always washing my shit, always. I don't I don't think I smell, but she's always trying to make me look nice by washing my stuff. But then so she's washing my hats all the time. So I, I, I guess that's where my hats are. I just had this hat, my Stetson. It's a real Stetson, too. It's uh it was a donation. An anonymous donation. It's a triple X. I don't know. These Stetsons, these cowboy hats, different, have numbers. It's a, a good one. <laughs> I can't remember what the numbers are anymore. Um, I like my Stetson, but it's a wool hat, and it holds in a lot of heat. So most of this year, I actually wear a straw hat, a straw black hat, but that's all jacked up. Been Like, I've had it too long. I need to get a new one of those. So it's a sign. It's a sign. Wear your Stetson. So I'm going to wear my Stetson. So I think all my hats are in the wash because my mice always washing my stuff. My s- straw hat's actually outside in the truck. Not going to do that. I had this just sitting here. So it's a sign. To wear my Stetson and do a video. So there it is. Welcome. It's the only way I know how to make sense of the world. Because if the world is actually just a pain in the fucking ass, I don't know. If that's all it is, because have you ever been on in life? Have you seen what a pain in the ass it all is? Cause it's a fucking pain in the ass. You know it is. The Buddhists are always like, uh, you know, life is suffering. Here, look. See? Now look, look, what's gonna happen here? The fourfold path. See? No, 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 no. Time for the phone. Here, look, look, right screen. Look, see? Here basics of buddhism yeah isn't this wonderful now you see a lot of words on the screen buddhism is a major global religion yeah complex history system of beliefs yeah uh siddhartha lived from 566 to 58480 bc son of an indian warrior king Katama led an extravagant life through early adulthood, re- reveling in the privileges of his social caste. But when he bored of the indulgence of royal life, Gautama wandered in the, to the world in search of understanding. Yeah, welcome to the world. It's like, what the fuck? There must be something more than this. After encountering an old man, an ill man, a corpse, and an ascetic, Gautama was convinced that suffering lay at the end of all existence. Like, yeah, buddy, preaching to the choir. Like, everything is fucked up, says Gautama. He renounced his princely title and became a monk, depriving himself of worldly possessions in the hope of comprehending the truth of the world around him. The culmination of his search came while meditating beneath a tree where he finally understood how to be free from suffering and ultimately to achieve salvation. He's basically going to start a fucking uh, get-rich-get, you know, self-help group. (laughs) Following this epiphany, Gautama was known as the Buddha, meaning the enlightened one. Buddha spent the remainder of his life journeying about India, teaching others what you come to understand. There it is. Life fucking sucks. Trig it for me, I was rich. And it sucked for me. I went out. Still sucks. But here's the Four Noble Truths. Four Noble Truths comprise the essence of the Buddha's teaching, though they leave much left unexplained. But the truth of suffering the truth of the cause of suffering, the truth of the end of the suffering, and the truth of the path that leads to the end of suffering. It's a path. Don't ever think you're going to get rid of suffering. Again, it's a fucking cult. It's a fucking cult. More simply put, suffering exists. There you go. This fucker had to, like, leave the palace to figure this shit out. Suffering exists. There it is. Genius. This fucker has been around for 2,500 years to let us know that shit. It has a cause? Yes, it does. It has an end. That's There's only one end. That's a fucking lie. It's just death. Death is the end. and it is a cause and it has a cause to bring about its end. Okay. The notion of suffering is not intended to convey a negative worldview. Oh really? But rather a pragmatic perspective that deals with the world as it is and attempts to rectify it. Mm -hmm. The concept of pleasure, if he had rectified it, there'd only be one religion. We would have been done with religion. Okay, that's how you know he didn't solve this issue. The concept, okay, wait. The concept of pleasure is not denied, but acknowledged as fleeting. Okay? Your Paris Hilton you still get unhappy. Okay. Doesn't matter how many pink, uh, what's that kind of car does she drive that pink, uh, fucking Bugatti or something? I don't know. It's just fleeting. Okay. So that's a good noticing, right? Okay. You either going to have to keep buying a ton of shit Or you're going to come and have to realize that uh, it's not going to be the end-all be-all. Your new Bugatti's not going to be the end. You're going to need more Bugattis, planes, yachts. Or you're going to have to fucking come to realization that that shit doesn't actually solve your desire for happiness. Pursuit of pleasure can only continue... What is ultimately an unquenchable thirst, okay? Now you're getting into some real shit. Okay, hopefully you realize that. It's unquenchable. Solving your life with planes and vacations and food and Bugattis is not going to quench the thirst. Either is beer or meth or coke or cigarettes. You're always going to want one more cigarette. The same logic belies an understanding of happiness. Too bad I don't know what belies means, but I'm too lazy to go look it up. Maybe you know. In the end, only aging, sickness, and death are certain and unavoidable. There you go. Yep, the happy times are here again. The Four Noble Truths are a contingency plan (laughs) for dealing with the suffering humanity faces. A contingency plan, like a like a, like a lifeboat. Suffering of a physical kind or of a mental nature. The first truth identifies the presence of suffering. It, I guess you got to have that truth, I guess. There's suffering. Second truth, on the other hand, seeks to determine the cause of it. What causes suffering? And that is interesting, right? In Buddhism, desire and ignorance lie at the root of suffering. Damn, that's kind of harsh. Desire and ignorance. Fucking idiot. Of course you're suffering. <laughs> By desire, Buddhists refer to craving pleasure, material goods, and immortality. Immortality. Who's going to get that? All of which are wants that can never be satisfied. Pleasure, material goods, and immortality. They can never be satisfied. As a result, desiring that can only bring suffering. Okay, do you see where they're getting that there? This is where it gets good, right? The craving for pleasure. I want pleasure and I want material goods and I want immortality. Well, you're never going to fucking get immortality, at least at this point in the game. Material goods are fleeting and pleasure is fleeting. Like you're happy, but then it doesn't end for, it doesn't last forever. Like, do you ever, you know that time like when you lay down in bed and you're like, oh God, this feels so fucking good. I'm back in bed. This is so fucking great. And it is great, and you sleep for a while, but I'll tell you what, lay there for three days and see how great it feels. And then be like, you you said it was great. Never get out of bed. No, no, I'm getting a little achy. Nope, you said it was great. Stay in bed. No, man. No, you said it. See, that's the thing. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. As a result, desiring them can only bring suffering, you see, because you're like, I want pleasure well yeah you want material goods there's always something you can't buy something out of hand out of reach even if you're ariana grande it's ariana grande or Grande. i don't even know ignorance in comparison relates to not seeing the world as it actually is yeah you're dumb fuck Without the capacity for mental concentration inside, Buddhism explains, one's life is left undeveloped, unable to grasp the true nature of things. That fucking life is suffering. It's because you want shit that really isn't going to solve your problems anyways. Vices such as greed, envy, hatred, and anger derived from this ignorance. They come from the ignorance. Okay. Third noble truth, the truth, the end of suffering, has dual meaning suggesting either the end of suffering in this life on Earth or in the spiritual life through achieving nirvana. When one has achieved nirvana, which is a transcendent state free from suffering, and our worldly cycle of birth and rebirth, spiritual enlightenment has been reached, Four Noble Truths chart the method for attaining the end of suffering known to Buddhists as the Noble Eightfold Path. You just got to pay another $1,000 to get the Eightfold Path, see? It's not true, but it seems like it. Steps of the Noble Eightfold Path. Okay, you get it, right? I'm I'm done. I can't go on with this shit, okay? So. um, So. Suffering is basically wanting shit that you think is going to make you happy, but it doesn't ultimately make you happy. It's like getting stuff from Amazon, Okay. You order something on Amazon, and it's exciting because you're like, oh, my God, it's coming. It's going to be here tomorrow. Sometimes you track it, and then it shows up, and you get it, and you're, oh, my God, it's so great. So great. And you open it up, and you're, oh, it's amazing. And then I'm telling you, within a day or two, you don't even remember what you bought. And then you got to go buy something else. Because the thing didn't bring the happiness. See, what you feel me? You feel what I'm saying? Here, look at this thing I bought that I was so excited about. Here. Look at this. I'm not kidding you. I couldn't wait for this to fucking arrive. You know what it is? It's a pretend pen that writes on my phone because I decide one day what I need to do is fucking write shit on my phone. Typing words or saying words, the type isn't good enough. I spent $13, I got two of these. I lost the first one within the first day, and now I'm worried, so I just leave this one here on my desk and basically don't use it because I don't want to fucking lose it. Yeah, that's it. That's what I bought at Amazon the other day. I bought other shit. I can't even remember what I bought. Oh, we bought a vacuum. Didn't go together right. I spent a day and a half trying to figure out how to make it go to fucking gather. I called the lady who just read me the instruction manual. They were like, we have a help desk. I'm like, great. So she read me the manual, which was sweet and all. But I had already done that, so uh, I figured that out. Now that's just packed away. $250 vacuum. We were all excited because our other vacuum broke. And we're like, ooh, let's get a new vacuum. Got a new vacuum. Done. Opened it up. Didn't work. It was actually annoying. Got it to work. Pushed it around a couple times. and are like, yep, vacuum. There it is. So that's being a dumbass. They like to call it ignorance. Dumbass is fine. Whatever. You're an idiot for thinking that shit is going to make you happy. It makes you happy like fucking alcohol makes you happy. Meth makes you happy. Cigarettes make you happy. Coffee makes you happy. You just need more, 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 more. And we don't ever think, well, maybe there's something else. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? You ever thought maybe uh, there's something besides Amazon and cigarettes and booze and sex and fucking Netflix? Have you ever thought of that? That's what the Buddhists are saying. They're like, I know uh, in capitalist America, they they would want you to not believe there's anything other than that. They're just buying shit. Actually, your happiness is just one more purchase away. Right? You You know this, right? I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but you ever try to fix it? Have you ever tried to, like, try something else? Um, basically, the Buddhists are like, well, what you got to do is stop wanting shit. And if you stop wanting shit, if you realize that, like, your suffering comes from a desire for shit that doesn't actually help you, then, uh... Going to be a little bit happier. But that's going to get old too, right? You're just like, okay, fourfold path, then the eightfold path. It's just me sitting around looking like this. I'm going to get myself a fucking orange curtain, I'm going to drape it around myself, and I'm going to sit around doing this all day. You really think that's going to fucking make you happy? No. No. I'm telling you, no, 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 no. Is it going to relieve some suffering? I guess. But, eh. But here's where it's going to help. If your life is consumed with suffering, okay? Like you're dirt poor and you uh you know, you barely can scrape enough food, you know, enough resources together to eat every day and your kids are fucking starving because you can't fucking get enough whatever money to buy food for them you're fucking uh in a world of hurt in a world of hurt and so the buddhists then you know they're like look man you want shit that you can't change you got to become you got to let go you got to find acceptance and peace and that's i think that's good. you got to find acceptance in what you have as opposed to wanting something that you don't have and maybe can't get. And so I think that that's handy. I think that's good, like Buddhists doing that because, you know, for people that are really suffering, then you just can, like, find some peace in your life by just chilling out. Ride the wave that you're on. But like I don't know. I don't see a lot of Buddhists out here trying to teach this to the the homeless people in America. We got Buddhists here in Akron. There's a little Buddhist temple. But that's not their game. They're kind of like, "Yeah, you want to do it, you can do it. I'm going to do, I'm doing it. You don't have to do it." But the evangelicals come around, and they uh, like to spread the good news of their religion. But that's sort of what Christians do. They really, you know, they like to sell their beliefs. But the benefit of that is that, you know, maybe they can bring some peace to people that are suffering, and I do like, like, I I like um, what the message of Christianity is, is that, like, look, man, God loves you, and you don't have to prove yourself to God, because nobody can live up to being worthy of God's love. It's just cool, right? Nobody will ever attain a worthiness through actions that um, be like, ah, oh, well, there, that's the guy I'm gonna love. No, we're all fuck-ups. All of us. All of us, no matter how rich, no matter how poor, no matter how screwed up. And that's why you see these like guys on death row finding God in 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 in, in, in prison, because the the message is look we're all screwed up. It's okay. God forgives you. And what I don't like is there's just this one, there's one little, just but, but just one little quick thing. You got to swear allegiance to Jesus. <laughs> Which ruins the whole thing for me. I'm like, really, is he that petty? Bow down to Jesus. Just bow down to him. Kneel before your God. That's so old school bullshit. i just got to need one little thing. God's going to love you as long as you just fucking kneel down and say he's your one and only God. I don't believe it. I don't believe that the God that came up with the idea that you're like, um, look, everybody's a screw-up. I love you all. That guy is like, but not all of you. <laughs> the only ones that are going to come and hang out with me e- from eternity are the ones that swear eternal allegiance to me. I just don't believe it. I don't believe that's true that's so fucking petty. And if it is true, God can fuck himself. Because I'm not dealing with that kind of bullshit. You can't come up with any scenario where a person uh, can't swear allegiance to Jesus. And because he can't swear allegiance to Jesus... He doesn't get to go to heaven. Do you know that Jesus was around about 2,000 years ago? That's pretty much pretty close, right? It's pretty close. And uh, humans in our current cognitive state have been like this, they say, about 70,000 years uh, let's just go with that. You, you can go back further, uh, 200,000, but let's just call it 70,000 years. The, he, the, 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 the human beings of 70,000 years ago were as smart and as capable as humans were certainly 2,000 years ago and uh, clearly as probably more so smart as us today. So... Why did Jesus have to wait 68,000 years to show up? What about all the humans that had all the intellectual ability to comprehend Jesus had to wait 68,000 years? Where are they? Where are they? Are they? Are they uh, you got a plan for that? How about the Jews? People were, you know, all the Jews, why didn't Jesus come down right away and be like, hey, whoa, 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 hey, guys, love what you're doing here, but I got to tell you, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to swear allegiance to me. Why was it 2,000 years ago and not 4,000 years ago or 70,000 years ago? The reason is because it's fucking bullshit. (laughs) It's just a group of people that came along and basically usurped this guy Jesus's ideas. And I'm going to I I feel pretty confident there was a guy named Jesus and probably came up with these really good ideas. But um people then took him and then they were like, "Look, man, you, uh, Jesus, God loves you. God loves you. As long as you swear allegiance to him. If you don't swear allegiance to him, mm, you're not hanging out. You don't get to hang out with God. Isn't that sad? All you have to do, just swear allegiance. Well, hey, what about me that was born in Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, And unlike you Americans that were born Christian, conveniently, in my culture, uh, we were taught to believe that our religion is the only right religion. And if you want to be, you want to go to heaven, you got to believe in our God and our uh, the same God. You know, you got to believe in Muhammad. One of you is wrong and one of you is right. No, 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 none of you are right. I'm sorry. One of you is definitely wrong, right? One of you is definitely wrong. You got to be. You can't have both either the uh the Islamic people are wrong or the Christians are wrong. Okay? You got right? You got to admit that. Christians and the uh Islamic people would say There's a lot of people that are wrong, and I wouldn't agree with that, too. They think I'm wrong. And if you really want to know the truth, the only guy that's right is the, um, uh, the guy that says, I don't know. Okay? That's the only one that's right. I don't know is the only correct answer. Because God could be a fucking total dick. I mean, I don't know why he does some of the bullshit that he fucking does. If he's in control like that, I don't think he is. I do believe in a greater power, a greater consciousness a collective consciousness, a consciousness beyond the awareness of our own consciousness. To think that we are the be-all, end-all of consciousness is uh, pretty ignorantly narcissistic. (laughs) We're the only conscious beings in the entire universe. You don't think there's a possible collective consciousness greater than us? I think it's quite likely. Um, so you get to believe whatever you want to believe and ultimately that's a great thing. You believe what helps you get a bigger picture of the world and your place in it and hopefully find some love and connection. However you get there, it's fine. Perfect. If you find love and connection through uh, Islam, great. You find love and connection through atheism, great. Christianity, great. Sex cults, great. As long as you're not hurting other people. And that's sort of what I don't like about the uh, Christians. Uh, they're hurting other people. They're hurting people by saying, nope, nope, nope. Your religion that you were born with and your parents and grandparents and great grandparents uh, believed in with all their heart and and, and provided a wonderful, stable uh, lineage of your family, that's wrong. You're going to go to hell. See? Ah, it doesn't seem like what God's about to me. Mm-mm. Well, what do I know? What do I know? Agnostics are the only right people. Uh, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some homelessness. I want to talk about this, uh, this post right here. Um, Venice Beach. You ever been to Venice Beach? I don't think I ever have. I might have. I've been to a few California beaches. I should definitely go. Let's listen to this video. Let's see what this guy says. Spectrum News 1. Oops, wait. i got to remember. I'm using new, different headphones. Let's check it out. My new setup. Try it out. Probably going to have to listen to an ad. How are you... Tents or tourists? That is
1: the question. I'm Lorena Yub in Venice Beach speaking with one basketball player who tells me he believes the recent clearing of the encampments here in Venice was the right move for the tourists that come here and visit this iconic destination. What once was a beach and boardwalk overflowing with tents Reflecting L.A.'s struggle with the homelessness crisis has now become a clear green field with barely a tent in sight. Spencer, a basketball player who frequents Venice Beach's courts, says, "Tents or not, the boardwalk is sacred ground for him, a place to enjoy his passion on the weekends. To be able to come here is a stress relief, especially during the pandemic, and I've been playing here for years. And just to come here to be able to relax and play ball here over the weekend, There's nothing like an inner world. As Spencer warms up for a game, a young singer entertains tourists for tips, and a local student practices his violin supported by the ocean breeze. It's the vibrant energy Venice Beach is known for. And Spencer says, while he felt bad seeing the homeless encampments being cleared this past week, he believes both the homeless community and the Venice Beach community are now better off, making it a more comfortable place for tourists. Venice Beach is not a place where homeless people have to actually live because this is actually a historical place. This is a place where tourists come and um, the government should help us. And the government, in this context, Councilman Mike Bonin, has been leading the efforts, entitling it the Venice Housing Initiative. Uh, This is a program that has moved 191 people in just over a month off the streets and on a pathway into permanent housing. And while there were once a line of tents here with houseless individuals watching basketball games along the Venice courts, Spencer says he's happy to see the city intervene, and he hopes the new shelters will keep the unhoused community safe, especially throughout the pandemic. Whatever it takes to help people. We're all united. We're all
0: people. We should work together. Whatever it takes. Try to help I can play basketball.
1: The kind of support he likes to see both on and off the court.
0: All right. So, we have conflicting interests. uh, they've cleared Venice Beach of homeless people, and now Venice Beach is more for tourists and people playing basketball. And I would say. So, okay, so I am uh, pro-homeless. I believe that what we are doing to homeless people in the richest, most Christian country in the world is a humanitarian crime. It's as bad as anything we have ever done. The Trail of Tears, the way we've treated slaves. If you... Don't believe the cruelty at the hands of the richest country in the world of of, of allowing people to just fester on our streets isn't cruel and inhumane. You aren't paying attention. Okay? I don't think Venice Beach. Should be a homeless camp, okay? Um, because then it does push other people away. But that councilman that's like, we moved out 190 people and put them on a path to blah, blah, blah. That's total bullshit. He did not put them anywhere. I mean, we don't know where they went. And the thing about it is when homeless people disappear, we lose interest in homeless people real quick. The, you know, the basketball player guy's like, oh, I hope they're okay. But he is more interested in his ability to get to play basketball. And I'm willing to bet there were other basketball courts in the area. So, wouldn't you say the basketball guy is being as selfish and maybe even more cruel and inhumane because he was upset he couldn't play basketball where people were living. Who's right wins out? Basketball man or people with no place to live? Because what you need to know is they did not put those people in shelters and may I say, the Delta variant, uh, the CDC uh, recommendation of, of, of not congregating homeless people still stands because uh, 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 the Delta variant of COVID is on the rise. Okay? Congregate living is, is a terrible existence but is a danger right now. We must come to terms with the truth that we do not like homeless people. Now, what's funny is, I don't know if you could tell by the man's accent, but the if you are just listening, the the guy playing basketball, African-American. Okay? And there was a time not too long ago. Let's see. Hold on. Was Venice Beach ever segregated from African Americans? Okay. Uh, okay. Now, let's, let's just see here. A tale of two Venices. There was Dogtown. There was Oakwood. A story about the African American history of the ghetto by the beach. My great-grandfather owned a gas and car mechanic station on the corner in the 1940s and 50s. I said to this lady who looked on well. I took a photo of what is now Friendship Baptist Church on the corner of Broadway and 6th in the Oakwood neighborhood of Venice, California. Amazed that my great-grandfather operated a gas and mechanic station on that corner, she went on to tell me that she lived in the neighborhood for a few years but only knew a bit about the neighborhood's black history. Before there was Dogtown, there was Oakwood, a historical community and a prominent African-American subsection of Venice. The history of Oakwood plays a crucial role in defining Venice's social history and its character, making it the creative enclave it is today. It is a history of property ownership, community, family, and entrepreneurial spirit. In the early 1900s, real estate developer Abbott Kenny hired African-Americans to construct the canals and named the district the Venice of California. In the 1920s, a small black community, mainly employees of Abbott Kenny, was centered north of Electric Avenue between Westminster and San Juan Avenues. The area would become Oakwood, an African-American neighborhood separated but, ge- but geographically centered in the middle of a white community. In the 40s and 50s during World War II, the population of the African-Americans would triple. This was when my great-grandfather moved to Venice from Arkansas as a part of the great migration of African-Americans out of the South. Because, you know, they were fucking hanging them and shit. Oakwood was segregated by Covenant and sectioned as the only area of Venice where African-Americans could own property. Okay? Okay. My grandfather explains there was only a nine-square-mile that was fenced off so black people could buy homes. It was an area of restrictive covenants, and when the Ku Klux Klan was highly active in political institution leadership in West Los Angeles, consequently, the early black residents of Venice could not live anywhere else under the KKK threat. They also didn't venture too far past Washington, which is now Abbott-Kenny Boulevard, and they weren't allowed east of Lincoln Boulevard, my grandfather tells me. Although redlining restricted blacks to Oakwood, so as the only place they could live in Venice, it was also a small, diverse neighborhood of working-class people. Okay, um, So do you see the interesting juxtaposition here? Whoa, 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 sorry. <laughs> um. There was only areas where black people could live. All right. So it goes on. Gentrification has done its part in displacing the community that once called Venice home and made it the ghetto by the beach. As tech bros flock to Venice, it has now become the tale of two Venices. The fight over First Baptist Church is the symbolism of the battle against gentrification in Venice. The church has been the community in the community since 1910, but developers want to build condos in replacement. The church sits on the next street over to where my great grandfather's gas station was, and is also the church they attended. Its disappearance will be another example of the transportation transformation of what was a working-class community of color to now an elite enclave for millionaires and tech companies. So. Do you see what's interesting here? Do you think it's possible that that black guy that likes to play basketball in that court might someday also be kicked out by millionaires and tech companies? Do you, get, do you see where I'm getting at? That now the black guy wants the homeless people out because he wants to play basketball. Do you see how someday that land gets bought by a developer and the basketball court goes away and a multi million dollar condo goes up? Do you see? Do you see how it goes? That guy is lying that he hopes those homeless people are, I mean, maybe he hopes shit. We all hope shit. But he just gives no fuck. He's just glad he's playing basketball on Venice Beach. And someday that, I mean, that basketball court is sitting on some expensive property. I would think somebody would like to make millions off of that thing. Because they're not making any money on that basketball court today. mm They want to put some high-rises over there. And so as millionaires move in to where that church apparently is, they might say, well, I hope they find another church. They don't really care. They don't care that that church has been there since 1910. They want a condo. They can hope things, but their actions speak louder than their words and their uh, hollow uh, hopes. You see how we're all just gobbling everybody up, and we're on the on the while well, we're kicking one guy out. We're saying, "Oh, I hope they're okay." And it appears that the uh, people that win are the people with the most money. That black guy didn't look like he was rich. I'm sorry, that's very racist of me. I'm not saying it because he was black clothes he was wearing. Kind of a cutoff. I don't know. Maybe he's a a fucking billionaire. I don't know. But I I saw a lot of people on that boardwalk and they were not looking rich. There was a 12 year old girl or something singing to make money, probably because she's not rich. I'm just guessing. And that is not going to be uh, a comfortable scene for the new millionaires. Sending on that property. So, can you see how that basketball player guy doesn't give a zero fuck about where those people go and what happens to them and the people that take over his basketball court gives zero fucks where he goes play basketball they're not going to set up another basketball court for him they ain't going to worry they're just going to say oh i hope he gets to play basketball somewhere i'm sure he will and you know the kind of you know they'll still have tourist stuff you ever uh been to um You ever been to, uh, where is that? Uh, Let's see. Rich West Coast Florida town. I can't remember. Elton. Where is this place? Sanibel. No, 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 no. It's Palm. Naples. Naples. Okay. You ever been to Naples? Ever been to Naples, Florida? They they want you to come down there as a tourist, but a certain kind of tourist, a certain kind of tourist that can afford the boutiques and the high-end restaurants. Okay? It's a certain kind of tourist. And that's what likely Venice will become. We're certain, where we do want tourists, but we want a certain kind of tourist. (laughs) Because Venice Beach is money, baby. And nobody's going to let that sit for long. Got to strike while the iron's hot. Sell it. Sell it to the highest bidder and the highest bidder is going to gentrify that shit, and the poor people that used to come there are not going to feel welcome anymore. So what I'm telling you is that guy, basketball player guy, is doing the heavy lifting for the rich people that are going to fucking kill, uh, gentrify his ass someday. They don't even have to stand there. They can just let Basketball player man do, do go on the TV and be like, Man, I'm glad we got our beach back. Boy, this is gonna be great. That's gonna be great. And then when they put in a multi million dollar condo on his basketball court, we don't you're not gonna have to have any uh person on the front line because that's just gonna make sense. Well, of course. Of course we're putting a, a condo there. I mean, this is a wonderful place. Um, This is a great opportunity for Venice. (laughs) And so what you don't understand is that they let the poor people and the black people do the public relations heavy lifting of throwing homeless people out so the rich white people don't have to do it. Didn't see a rich white guy on the TV, just that black guy, being like, I like my basketball. I'm going to be playing some basketball. Perfect, man. You just tell them. You just tell them. First the homeless people come out, and then the poor people come out. You mark my words, that fucking shit is happening. It's happening to that church. They're going to tear down that 1910 church. It used to be a black neighborhood. No, no I ain't no more. Ain't no more. You cannot move a homeless person unless they have a place to move to. That's the only common sense law. For homeless person, I'm not saying they should live on Venice Beach. I'm not saying that one bit. But anybody can scoop up and shove off 190 homeless people. Anybody can do it. You don't need a gun. You don't need a badge. I could fucking do it. They're so beaten down, you could just you know you just tear the fucking top off of their tent and they'll they'll wander off. They'll wander off. I mean, you, you found the, the most beaten down people in your country. You know, your grandma could shoe off a homeless person. They ain't got no fight in them. They just want to fucking live somewhere. They're not trying to cause any trouble. <laughs> they just fucking want to live somewhere. Can you imagine what that's like? Can you imagine what it's like to just desperately want to be able to live somewhere? Because you ain't got no money. And you know everybody hates you. Can you imagine what that's like? Hmm? Hmm, 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 hmm. Any idea you can imagine what that's like? Um we cannot let the government move homeless people without a clear alternative. Look, homeless people will move if they have a place they want to move to. A safe place to park your car, a safe place to put up your tent. If you're living in a tent, you'll move. Be like, look, I got this place over here. It's got running water, bathrooms, uh, access to a bus stop. There's a a, a convenience store right around the corner. You can come and go whenever you please. Uh, Your friends are going to go there. You're going to get free bus passes. They'll fucking go. They'll go. <laughs> I don't know what they think. But they can't come up with that, so they just shut them down and push them, and push them out and push them out and push them out and push them out. And that is the most inhumane thing going on in your country right now. Nothing is more cruel. And the churches stand by and watch it happen. The government stands by and watches it happen basketball man stands by and watches it happen because nobody gives a fuck what happens to other people because i got mine motherfucker now i can play basketball fuck you that's america that's america it's always been america and i'm sorry to say seems like it's always going to be america It's what we did to the native americans Ran them around on the Trail of Tears helping, hoping enough of them would die so when they get out there there weren't too many left. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln didn't really give a shit about slavery. He just didn't want the union to uh, divide. He wanted Africans out of America. He wanted them to fucking leave. He gave no fucks about slaves. I don't think he did that's a fucking lie. Nobody gave a fuck. John Brown gave a fuck. That's about it. Black people gave a fuck because you know they're black, but <laughs> well, white people are like, they you know, they say shit, they might write something, but are they really gonna stand up. Hey, we should do something. No, oh well, yeah. Ugh. That's what white people do. That's what white people do. <laughs> Sick of fucking white people. They got all the money, all the power, all the resources, and they're just sending up hopes and prayers, hopes and prayers. I, oh, Black lives matter. Yeah, thanks, fucker. Now we got more cops in our neighborhoods. Everybody's killing us. The cops are killing us. The neighbors are killing us. Thanks for putting up that sign in your church's front yard. You, you're too afraid to put it in your own front yard mind you. You won't even put it up in your own front yard because you're too afraid what your neighbor might say. But you go to a church where they got one of those signs in their front yard. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I got nothing else.
1: Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.